bunch has happened within the last week. All good stuff for me. I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. Uh, actually, about a week and a half ago, I was messing around down in the basement. I have uh, this studio, quote-unquote studio, which is just a table with a bunch of sound gear and computers and stuff on it, um, was set up in a far corner of my basement, like an outside corner of our block, uh, unfinished you know, block wall basement. And it was cold over there. It's kind of cold everywhere in the basement in Michigan. But And the goofy thing is, is I set it up. Long story short, when we record multiple people for the Allen Mead Experience or for the Dental Hacks podcast, I have this ridiculous setup where I actually have I have four computers each running Skype separately. So when we're talking to people, each person has their own Skype computer, and they all get mixed into this uh, digital mixer. And then each person gets back from the mixer uh, the sound that of everyone else except for themselves, and that is really really elaborate and maybe more than i need to do except it allows me to record it allows me to record everyone's voice on a separate track which means i can edit if someone's skype goes crazy or someone talks over someone else or whatever or a lot of times you'll get weird like bad sound on skype or or you'll hear someone messing around with their microphone and it's it's it would be irritating if i couldn't take it out so it makes it great for editing Glad I did it. It was the expensive way to do it. I did it like two and a half years ago. I think Jason thought I was crazy, but uh, it's paid off in that way. And um, so it's this big pile of gear, basically on a on a table. And I don't have any fancy soundproofing. I have a bunch of pillows and comforters and stuff. It's not pretty what uh, how my studio is, but it works pretty well. So it was this far corner. It was kind of dark. It was it was a little harder to to set everything up. It's kind of a pain. And, but it's because the cable modem, that's where the cable was. Honestly, it was ridiculous. My modem was like hanging from the ceiling by the coaxial cable because of where it was. But each computer needs to have an Ethernet connection. Like I have to get an Ethernet connection directly out of that modem and split it amongst the computers so I have the fastest connection. So basically when we're doing Skype, everyone sounds their best and, and all that stuff. So I needed a coaxial cable. So I've always been sort of stuck in that far corner. Well, I don't even know what I was doing in the basement like earlier that or like a, a week a week and a half ago. I was I don't know what I was doing in the basement. I was looking around for something. And I noticed coming out of this modem. Oh, I know what it was. The modem was all messed up. Like no one had any internet. So I went to reset the modem. Uh you got to do it in the basement. It's crazy. <laughs> it's up high hanging off the ceiling. I literally have to get like a ladder and unplug it and plug it. It's it is literally it's so jury rigged. Uh for as nice as this microphone sounds, it is so ghetto how I have this set up. It's ridiculous. But in any case, I shouldn't be telling you that. I should I should let you think that I'm in a in a really finely designed uh, studio space. It's not really like that. Anyhow, so I reset this thing and I, I kind of follow where all the different coaxial cables go because we have ca- we have one one television that actually has like cable upstairs, and then we we actually have a phone that we never use that's a voice over internet phone or whatever that so. I'm following these cables to all the different places in the house they go. And there's one that comes down right in the middle of the basement. And I realized at the time we had the cable installed, we had like a shelf with a TV on this thing. And I, I want to say we had like a, a treadmill or something in front of it. So my wife must have told the dude, oh, yeah, I want cable there if we're going to do the treadmill or something. That's what I figure. I don't know what exactly what happened. But so I'm looking there. I'm seeing this coaxial cable that was literally hanging down like during the flood and stuff like that. I swear to God, I never noticed it. It's been there for five years or something. I never even noticed it. So 
I'm like, I wonder if that coaxial cable is live. Lo and behold, I moved the modem over there to test it, and it worked fine. So immediately, I'm like, oh, sweet. I can finally move this stupid, like, quote-unquote studio into a more comfortable place. So that's what I did. It was, I think it was a Sunday afternoon about a week and a half ago. Um, I'm recording this literally the night before it's released. I've been kind of lazy about getting content for the Alameda experience, so I apologize for that. Although I have lots of good stuff to talk about here. So um, so I moved my studio, and it's it's a much nicer setup the way that I have it. It's much nicer, much easier access to all the computers. Um, it's warmer. <laughs> I finally I have a heater that I actually set up so when it is cold, I can run this heater under the table so my, my feet are nice and warm. It's kind of perfect. So what's turned into – I didn't like coming down and recording because it was always so darn cold. And, and just kind of awful over there. Well, now I've moved it. I'm in this great space. I actually enjoy coming down there. Now, mind you, this is an unfinished basement. I'm literally looking at, like, bald two-by-fours in, in uh, uh, the back of some some uh, drywall on the other side of these two by It is not It's not pretty, but it works. It works much better this way. Um, so here you go. That's that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of what I, I did a week and a half ago. But um, last Friday, uh, I... Took it upon myself. Cosmonet invited Jason and I to come to the American Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry uh, to podcast at their booth. To, and we basically we could participate on any level that we wanted to. Jason's uh, anniversary was was at that time with his wife, so he wisely chose to not go. Um, I had uh, a little time I could do it. So, and Chicago is honestly not a bad drive for me. It's five hours. Uh, I have done it multiple times recently, like where I get up early in the morning and just drive to Chicago, and then I participate in the in whatever meetings going on. Like when I went to the midwinter this year, that's what I did. So, and what's cool about that is I'm able to kind of save a night a hotel. Um, and it would be one thing if I if I hated driving. I like driving. I mean, I'm listening to a book or pod, podcast or whatever, you know. So, and it's early in the morning, so there's no traffic. It's not a bad drive. I kind of. Uh, all through college, I was always at least six hours away from home for college, and I, I like to come home. So I kind of developed this this habit slash ability to to tolerate long drives like with no problem. So I, I don't mind the five hour, four and a half to five hour drive to Chicago, especially when there's no traffic early in the morning. So I drove to McCormick Center from my house. At like I left at like four four fifteen in the morning um, from Midland from my home and uh, drove to Chicago. It was, it was cool. It was an easy drive. Really easy drive, as fast of a drive you could possibly get to Chicago. So I walk into the McCormick Center, and at the AACD, they have lots of courses, and they have a ton of hands-on courses, like a ridiculous amount of hands-on courses. I never realized that, like, this is the place to do hands-on, like, you know, learning cosmetic dentistry techniques if there's any place. And they've got all sorts of really great speakers. And unlike a lot of meetings where... You know, you might go to classes, but they're, you know, excuse me, everyone goes to the classes. Um, like, people wouldn't think of missing the classes, which is kind of cool. So I show up to the exhibit floor, and, um, like, I mean, there are plenty of exhibitors there, but, uh, like, there were no dentists there or anything like that. So they were all in class. I think the classes started at 9 or something like that. So anyhow, I set up um, at the Cosmonet booth. It was really cool. They had a table, like two tables, actually, but it was a table for me. Uh, where I could just set up my mobile gear. And, of course, I, if anyone's seen you know, the way we podcast, I have a recorder and I have four headset mics. It works so good. It works so good. Like, you don't have to do anything. You just basically, whoever you're interviewing, just puts the, the, the headset on. You make sure the mic's close enough to their mouth, mouth and you just go. It's awesome. So I proceeded from about 10.30 to about 7 at night, basically, to, <laughs> to podcast just about the whole day. I took breaks. I ran over and got lunch. 
uh, and I, I ran over and I went to the bathroom multiple times throughout the day. That was it, man. I didn't see, I saw so little with regard to like the exhibit floor or anything like that. I just start to finish, just, just record. I recorded 15 interviews, you know, some of them were 15 minutes long. Some of them were 40 minutes long. I got a bunch of content for, for the dental hacks. It, it was great. Uh, I have no regrets. I, I really enjoyed it. The best part about it though, as much as I like the interviews and I got to interview some people that I haven't gotten to interview in the past. It's kind of cool. You're going to hear, if you listen to the Dental Hacks podcast, and you totally should, by the way, um, I got I mean, I mean, got all the, the Cosminet people that were there, which is Corky Wilhite and, and Buddy Mopper and Dennis Hartlieb, uh, a bunch of those people that you've actually heard from before. I got some others that, that you may not have heard before uh, that we haven't had on the show, but you've probably heard of, Chris Ramsey. But I got some really interesting ones, too. Like um, Galen and Davina Dietrich have their their thing going the the disruptive dental collective and i got to talk with several people who are like taking advantage of their courses so that's going to be cool we'll probably focus on that so i got a bunch of great really good content like really good content very excited about it uh, but what was best about it was i got to talk with some listeners like some people who listen to the show who who just had a chance to come up and say hello that is literally the best part about doing this at all these meetings uh getting to meet people who listen to the show. It it never ceases to amaze me that there are people out there listening to us ramble on like this. It's an absolute blast. And uh trust me, if you are at a show or you see us, always come up and say hi because we love it. There's just literally there's nothing better about this whole podcasting thing to to run into people that actually listen to the show. So I talked with a bunch of people who listen to the show. Actually got a chance to talk with Dr. Paul Amato, who's been on the show before and and uh I suspect will be on the show a lot in the future. He's literally one of the funniest guys you'll ever meet in your entire life. He's a dentist out in Seattle. He's a big BioClear guy, but he also he's taking coys. He's he's really funny, like really funny. But I also got to meet a couple of listeners that were that were younger. They they graduated more recently. Now I am not going to call them out by name because I didn't ask them if I could. Um, the two women. Uh, they both graduated. I think they said it was 2013. Is that right? Yeah, 20, I think it was 2013. Um, from dental school. So they've been out for five years or so. And uh, I actually got to talk with him for a while. And, and <laughs> what happened? I, I literally got like chased out of the, of the exhibit floor uh, because I was, I was podcasting and like they turned the lights out. They flicked the lights on us to let everyone know that they were, you know, they're just about done. I was, I was talking with Dr. Len Tao uh, of bird eye and we're both looking up going, are they trying to tell us something? It was really funny. So I, I was just exhausted. I had literally podcasted the whole dang day. And um, I invited myself to dinner with these two women. Um, I don't even know if they were going to go to dinner, but I sort of invited myself. And, and not only that, <laughs> I dragged them to where I wanted to go. So I appreciated them coming along with me. I went I went to one of my, the ramen joints that I really like to go to in Chicago. I wasn't going to do anything. I was just going to go upstairs and go to bed. I'm like, man, I came all the way to Chicago. I might as well go and, and eat dinner someplace that's cool. So I did that. And, of course, um, they're you know relatively new dentists, but not brand new dentists. They're sort of in that sweet spot of, of okay, they've been out for five years. They know, they know what they like. They know what they don't like. And uh, we talked a lot. They're both associates at this point. I think at least one of them, maybe both of them, had considered purchasing or are working on something like that. But they were, both of them were kind of in limbo with regard to, it almost felt like they wanted to know that their situation was good or that they, they wanted to know if I thought they should do something different with their situation. First off, why do you ask me? I'm probably not the right guy to ask, but um, I, I was inspired by them. I have to tell you that as much as we talk about young dentists and dentists coming out with tons of debt and, 
and how they're, you know, millennials are shiftless and aimless. And I don't know if these guys were millennials or not. I don't know how old they were, but, but the bottom line, they were great to talk to. I feel nothing but hope for young dentists. I really do. Um, I think they both have a really good understanding of, of what's available to younger dentists now. Uh, I think they're, I'm, maybe I'll try and have them on a show sometime if they're interested, but I really, I really haven't even asked them that I could, you know, so I'm not even going to give their names, but basically I was, I was kind of inspired by what they're doing and I was kind of excited by the fact that, that they've got plans, they've got stuff, but there were, there were a couple times when they sort of wanted me to weigh in on what, you know, what advice could I give them, which is so funny because, and I think what happens is I'm older than they are. So that means I can give them advice. I think that's a little bit, that's, I don't really have that kind of hubris. I would never actually, if so, I'm happy to tell people what I would do differently than what I did uh, in dentistry. I don't know anyone else's situation, but it also, it, it's interesting because it really depends on what you like to do as well. But I, I thought I would dig into that a little bit. I'm going to maybe do the, uh, do a little time machine action. Just talk about what maybe I would do differently knowing what I know now in reference to someone who's in that kind of perfect sweet spot where they're about five years out wondering what, what the rest of their career is like. So why don't you sit back? We're going to get this going. And uh, again, thanks for listening. Appreciate you guys listening. And we'll catch you on the other side here. Alan Mead is a dentist with too much time on his hands and too much recording equipment in his basement. Armed with an obsession to bring entertaining and informative content to the dental world, in a way that's never been done before. I give you the Alan Mead Experience. You know what this podcast is. I've been going for 12 minutes already. So uh, my thoughts uh, on what I might do differently. So when I started the Alan Mead Experience, I you might remember the early episodes, I would throw in these cutesy little... Um, Oh, they were little sound montages about different segments I wanted to talk to my guests about. And I still think that's a great idea. I haven't really been disciplined enough to use it with guests. And the other thing is, is a lot of times the conversations I have with guests go in such an interesting direction. I don't really have the heart nor the time to kind of throw those little segments in there. But I think I will today. One of the segments I think is really cool, I called it the single-use time machine. And what it was is basically a chance to go back in time and tell yourself something or, or, or do something differently. But you only get to pick one thing. That was the rule. So knowing, if I'm going to do this to myself, I'm going to kind of figure that I'm looking at myself a few years out of dental school. Because these women that I talked to were at that kind of sweet spot, like I said, five years or so out. Uh, one of them was married. One of them was not. Neither one of them had kids. So that's kind of where I'm looking at. because um, in there is absolutely nothing wrong with having kids. I have two children, and I love it. I didn't have kids till I was third. No, I got clean when I was third. I didn't have kids till I was thirty-six. I, I had kids pretty late in the game. Uh, let's see. So yeah, yeah, ten years ago, yeah, thirty-six. Okay, so um, that's pretty late, and that's okay. I mean, unfortunately, I would love to tell you that I waited that long because I was doing some amazing traveling and learning lots of great things in dentistry and becoming the best businessman in the world. What I actually did was I. <laughs> I became a drug addict and went into treatment. So I sort of burned some of those years that, that I would be giving, recommending a good thing. So my recommend, first recommendation is don't become a drug addict. Um, that's so knowing that the, I'm going to use this time machine. Let's just, let's just assume that I've already used it once and told myself not to become a raving drug addict and to, and to deal with that. Here's the thing. 
could I, would I have ever listened to myself if I came back and told myself I was going to have a problem with drugs? No, I wouldn't have. So I, I tend to think I was destined to have the problems that I had, but let's just pretend that I'm not going to use it for that. And that I, that I'm not destined for those kinds of problems. Yeah. So what kinds of things might I have told myself differently? Let's just, we'll, we'll just tune the time machine to about eh, three to five years after I was out of dental school, understanding I didn't have kids yet. Uh, I, I had basically, I was working, I had a practice of my own at this point. Um, but you could assume that, or you could assume that I was working with my dad because that's what I did uh, right out of dental school. So you can you can assume either thing. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to get in the uh, the single use time machine, and we're going to go ahead and and take a little ride back to about that sweet spot time, and we'll then we'll then talk about it. You only get one chance to change your past. How do you use it? Do you convince yourself that law school would have been a better choice, or do you go back in time to stop a horrible Mexican food incident? You only get one chance with the AME single-use time machine. What are you going to do with it? All right, so let's jump in the time machine. We're going to go back to... So I graduated in 1998. We're probably going to go back into the early 2000 aughts. And um, I got to tell you, the fact that these women and myself did not have children at this point is sort of... um, it's sort of the linchpin to my idea. It, there is obviously nothing wrong with having kids. I have plenty of friends who who were married and had kids in dental school, and that's totally cool. But that does definitely change sort of the the trajectory of your life and your career. You have a lot more responsibility. You got a responsibility to a family at that point. So in some ways, you you are even more beholden to the idea of making sure you have a job that's paying you a living wage so you can you can pay for your family, support your family. Um, but I'm kind of looking at those folks that maybe haven't made that commitment yet. And of course, having kids is the best thing ever, and I would totally recommend it. But if you're in a position right now where you don't have kids, um, the first thing I'm going to tell you to do is you need to travel. <laughs> you need to travel. If if there are places you're interested in going, there is no better time to do it, whether you're married or single, honestly, uh, to travel when you when you don't have kids. Now, traveling with kids is a blast, but it's a whole different it's a whole different animal than traveling without kids. And I think everyone kind of knows that. But, but like, I didn't do that. I did not really travel. Like, I have not been, I've not been very many places. I have regrets about that. I mean, there's a ton of places I would like to go, and now I'll probably go there eventually with my kids. But I look at um, the other thing is we have a horse farm. <laughs> we have a boarding horse farm, so. Any given night, we're you know we're feeding twelve to fifteen horses in every any given morning, and and finding people that can do that for you is a bit of a chore. You wouldn't think it would be, but it kind of is. Um, like for any long period of time when we're gone, it's 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 a big deal to find someone who can take care of the horses. So between having kids and having animals, you know, and and responsibilities at the farm, travel is a lot harder for me now than it than it was back then. But interestingly, you know, my wife was always a horse person, and the first house I bought was an old house and a small house, but it had a barn and it had some fields. So her horses were with me even before we were married, you know? So unfortunately I sort of married into, uh, someone who was going to be tough to travel with anyhow, because she has a, uh, a, a love of horses that, <laughs> that wasn't going to change. So the story is in that way, you know, we are kind of tied down a little bit. I don't have any regrets about that, but if, if you are someone who wants to travel or is interested in traveling, there is no better time to do it than when you're young and you're not super tied down. I know that most people are coming out with a lot of debt. And 
I am hung up on that when I think about that. But the reality is, I've heard this from many people, not the least of which uh, was Richard Lowe, who is the, he's a podcaster. He he has the uh, the Shared Practices podcast, and he started that some years back. And he made a point of saying on his podcast, he didn't say it directly to me, but I, I might have been in reference to how we, we talked about the debt on our show. He's like, you know what? We know we have debt, and it's a fact of life with us. You don't have to keep reminding us, and we still want to live our life. And I think a lot of people my age, with, with my looking back on that debt, were, were frozen by the idea of how, how in the world would we have done what we did with that kind of debt. And I think the reality is, and this is what I got from these two women that I talked to, was that they know it's there. They have literally worked that into their life. That's just part of the deal. You know, they, it's, you know, it's like trying to regret your, the color of your eyes or something. <laughs> they knew, or at least they know now that they're dentists, this is something they have to deal with. So uh, I think, um, both of these ladies had paid down their debt faster than they, uh, you know, they weren't just going to the minimum payments, which is pretty cool. I think, uh, what you do is you set it up so you have a minimum payment, but you can pay a lot more. But if you, if for some reason your cash flow gets messed up or you do want to travel or you do want to save up for a purchase of a practice or something like that, you're able to, to pay a, a lesser amount and not be penalized for it. That's freaking brilliant. I think that's a great idea. That's what at least one of them was doing. I think that was really smart on their part. Um, so that's that's one thing. I mean, you want to do what you want to do in some extent because travel is one of those things where it's sort of uh, when you don't you're not super tied down to stuff. It's much easier to do and and or experiences. Maybe not even travel, but experiences. I, I love that concept. But the other thing I would tell you is, as a young person, it goes along with traveling a little bit. But um, Find out, it's so hard because we did talk about mentors, like find a mentor. And the thing is, is that I wouldn't have known enough about what I wanted in dentistry and what I liked in dentistry to know who a good mentor was to some extent. But the earlier you can decide what you want to do, uh, and the earlier you take training that can help you do that stuff. I know we've said this a million times, but it does make so much sense. For instance, uh, says a guy who learned to place implants and really doesn't place many implants because I'm still scared of surgery. But the bottom line is, okay, implant dentistry is here to stay. It is, it is literally, uh, a lot of patients are clamoring for it. And frankly, it pays better than, you know, uh, insurance driven stuff like fillings and single crowns and stuff like that. Mind you, I love single crowns and fillings. Don't get me wrong. I talk about that all the time. Uh, and that, that's what pays my bills around here, but I also have a smaller practice than a lot of people. Uh, implants are, are the future of dentistry a lot of it. And I love saving teeth. I think saving teeth is important. I think it's I think it's underrated in a lot of cases. But let's just talk about this. You probably didn't learn implants in dental school. You probably and if you learned it, you learned just enough and maybe like in some very lucky places you got to place one or two under the direct supervision of an oral surgeon in the surgery clinic or something like that. It's not like dental schools are are you're not dropping 50 screws before you get out of dental school in most cases. There are some residencies where you really are, and that's cool. Um, if that, if you know that's what you want to do, then that's what you need to do. And I would recommend if you're even slightly interested in this kind of thing, you need to go check out the dental outliers podcast featuring Danny domain. Uh, he talks a lot about the residency he did, which is a very special residency. And frankly, Danny's a very special guy. There's, there's really no one like him. He is a surgeon's surgeon. He is the sweetest and gentlest guy, but man, is he accomplished. He's crazy accomplished. When I first met him, 
he was he was super humble and I didn't know I didn't know who he was. He he is literally a rock star in surgery. Now he and his uncle, uh, Doctor Jerry Smith, uh, do a course called Implants in Black and White. Um, I have not been able to get down there and take it yet, but I know both of them well enough. And the fact that they're teaching it together, it, it's probably shoot. And Corey Glenn shows up and teaches there. So you know that these guys are special. You ought to make a you ought to make a trip down to uh, Louisiana to do that. But um, his example is that he learned he learned this kind of stuff early and often, and it pays off in his career in a huge way because it's what he does. He does it all the time, and and he got the reps early enough where he's got this comfort level. This is what he does, and if you know how to do these things, if you know how to you know if you know how to do molar endo, if you know how to place implants, if you know how to treat and plan big cases and all this stuff. You know, the the sooner you can get the reps you need to get comfortable with that and really get the knowledge base for that, the longer it can pay off in your career. I mean, these are this is the difference between, you know, producing a couple thousand dollars a day and producing ten thousand dollars a day. This is, you know, the, the guys who are putting up these humongous numbers, you better believe every one of them is placing a lot of implants. Um, and that's cool. And restoring a lot of implants. I mean, you can, you can put huge numbers up by just doing regular crown and bridge, but man, the volume has to be a lot bigger than that. So it's just one of these things where I look at it and I go, continuing education can be very expensive. It can be a lot of travel. There is no better time to do that when you don't have to worry about your family back home. That's where I am right now. There's a lot of stuff. This podcast and the, and the Dental Hacks podcast has given me so many opportunities to travel. There are people that invite us to go do the coolest things in the coolest places. And both Jason and I have little kids and a family, and so we're really limited in how much we're going to travel. Uh, you know, both of us have said, you know, if it had happened in a different way and we didn't have a family, we'd probably be doing all this stuff. But let's be honest, uh, I owe it to my family to be around. And so, you know, until I can travel with these kids, take them everywhere I want to go. And frankly, as I look at it, that's what's going to happen. I'm going to be, t- <laughs> I'll leave my wife at home and I'll take the boys because they're a blast. And once they're a blast to travel with and I can trust they're not going to run off and do something crazy, I'll just bring them with me. Um, I'm hoping to see them at the Voices of Dentistry next year, that sort of thing. Um but I guess when you're not tied down, if you're not tied down, and if you're young, you can spend the time to really learn these things, and it will pay off so much longer in your career. But here's the other thing. When you do this, I'm so notorious for this. This is, this is real life. I'm, everyone laughs because whenever we have someone on the podcast, the Dental Hacks, that has a service or a product or a class, Jason signs up for it immediately. He takes it, and he starts doing it, and I never do anything. It's... <laughs> I am so status quo about so much stuff. It's like I've just gotten old enough to know. the one, And the reason I do it is not because I'm not interested in the stuff, not because I don't think it's amazing, but I know myself. I know that I'm not going to commit the time. Why do I not bring in, uh, like, why do I not bring in someone to help with, uh, with systems in my office? Well, probably because I know darn well that it comes down to the leadership, the guy who, where the buck stops, and I'm a wuss. I can't do these things until I have committed to myself that I'm going to do them. And you really need to understand yourself. There are some people who have literally no problem doing that. They're like, this is what I'm going to do. And they just jump in and do it. I am not like that. I am pretty undisciplined about that. So there's a few things in my life that I've done really well and really consistently. One of them is when I stopped using drugs, I stopped using drugs. And I've been, I've, I've been batting a thousand since then. This podcast, I've been very consistent about this podcast and, Getting it out on time. Not this podcast. I'm not as, not as consistent about the Alameda experience, but podcasting in general, I've been really consistent about putting content out. But I mean, there's an upside to that. I love it. And I love the, I love the, 
I love all of it. I love the downloads. I love talking to people. I love all that stuff. So, I mean, there's, there's a significant reward to doing that stuff. Those are about the two things that I've done the most consistently. My office life is great, but part of it is because I've set it up to be a, a pretty gentle schedule. And, and I, I don't have a humongous practice, but I don't need a humongous practice because I've, I don't have a high debt level at this point. Anyhow, and I mean, that's a great way to do things too, by the way. If you know that you don't want to have, uh, you don't want to be fighting that huge debt thing, knowing that is great too. But the thing is, is it's, you know, if you're looking to buy a practice, you're not going to buy the practice that's that's doing 1.2 million and hoping to grow it and not, I mean, that's going to be a lot of work, a lot of overhead, a lot of, like, I bought my practice for a steal, but I bought a, a fixer-upper practice that, you know, was going to be small unless I really worked hard to grow it. And and I've worked hard to grow it some, but, I, but I'm not going to tell you that it's not a humongous practice. And that's okay. That's good for me. Uh, understand, too, that there's a lot of different ways to practice dentistry, and you don't have to feel bad about practicing any one way. A couple of weeks ago, I did the, a, a podcast on the Alameda experience where I was talking about that, where I was stuck in the middle. Got a lot of really good feedback from people saying that, you know, being in the middle is just fine for some people. And there are times I still get hung up about that. But remember, here's another piece of advice for anyone of any age practicing this. Don't judge your insides, your emotions, the way that you're feeling and the way that you're viewing yourself. You have all as many of the facts as you can have about yourself. So you know what's going on with yourself. Do not judge those things with what you see on the outsides of other people. Okay. Because social media is cruel. There is no two ways about it. Social media is, uh, is not fair. What you see of other dentists, they may not be, they may, they may not, they might not be honest about everything. Let's just say that they might not be truthful about everything. Maybe they are. Maybe they, maybe their life is really that grand and you suck. I don't know. But the bottom line is that I don't come out feeling very good about myself. If I compare what I know about myself to what it looks like other people are doing. So that's never been a winner for me. And, and that's, that's worth walking away from, especially if you're sensitive to it and, and you take stuff like that to heart. There's, I mean, and of course the problem is, is that social media is everywhere. We're all kind of used to using it for good or for bad. I, I tell myself I have to be there because of the podcast. I'm not so sure that that's necessarily true, but understand that there's plenty of folks out there that are, that are just barely making it. If you feel like you're just barely making it, you're probably in good company. There's plenty of people that are probably doing great too, but to be honest, uh, you can't know what their insides are like. You can only know what your insides are like. So don't compare. It's, it's a, not a good place to be at any point. Uh, and understand that you are in a pretty terrific profession. There are a lot of people that are in a lot of bad positions and they don't like it. I totally understand that. But even the guys that don't like it can also understand that they are still in a position where they get to kind of pick their hours in a lot of cases. They get to make a great living from, you know, they're not digging ditches. They're not uh, not putting their life on the line every day. It's It's hard work and it's emotionally draining work. I get that. But it's still... Like we have a pretty great opportunity to do some stuff uh, for people and to get paid pretty well for it in most cases. So it's worth taking a step back and remembering that even on days that are pretty bad. I, I've had my last two Mondays have definitely been Mondays. I've come away not liking what I was doing, kind of shuddering about the whole thing. But what's really cool is I've had a couple Tuesdays that were pretty darn good. So I, I came back. It's tough when you have a bunch of those days in a row to keep your chin up. But but it is it is still a pretty great profession. It's pretty pretty worthwhile doing. 
like I said, when I when I went to dinner with these these uh, women, I came away. First off, it was super fun. They're nice. We laughed a ton. It was a blast. It was it was really nice to have in common, you know, with them the profession and that they had listened to some of the sh- to some of the shows. So you know, we got to know each other a little bit, and it was very fun. I really really enjoyed spending time with them. But I walked away hopeful uh, for you know the the younger dentists in a way that I hadn't before because I kind of got to see what was really going on and and. Some things never change as an associate. It feels like you're you're probably never as busy as you want to be, or you're never in the spot. But doggone it, it's a great profession, and I could tell these guys were pretty psyched about it. Okay, they came to the AACD, the American Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry. You don't come to that meeting if you're feeling like the profession is is not worth hanging into because everyone at the AACD is so so excited about what they're doing. It's ridiculous. They're the bubbliest, craziest people. They they love beautiful teeth, and they love to tell you how they're going to make your teeth beautiful. It was pretty cool, um, a little intimidating. There's some, you know, people. Th- their accreditation system process is really, really serious. They don't mess around, and a lot of these people were really serious about it. So, I mean, I got nothing but respect for those folks. But like I said, when you got you know people five years out of dental school going to the AACD because they want to learn some new stuff, more power, man. That's what they're doing. They're doing the right thing. Uh, so, I have some advice. I think that. I think that when you're in that position, when you're not when you're not tied down, you you have a flexibility that you might not even realize. And and I'm not going to lie to you, I think I understand that there's like not a lot of money sitting around to do that in a lot of cases. There's not a lot of things I think are are great for going into debt about. As I drove home from Chicago this weekend, I realized, or this last weekend, I realized that I think probably going to life-changing continuing education is definitely worth going into debt for. I mean, shoot, if you went into debt to just get the license, you know, to, to go to dental school, to get the, get the admit one to the profession, it's definitely worth going into debt for some CE. You know, um, you couldn't go wrong with, with like COIS or SPEAR, those sorts of continuums, learning, learning specific procedures like implants or molar endo, you know, um, that kind of things really, I think that's worth paying for. But what's so cool is when you're not tied down, you actually can go do this and it's not such a crimp in your lifestyle. So I hope you guys found this helpful. I, I actually, I really enjoyed my last weekend. I can't wait for you guys to hear some of the interviews I got to do with the AACD. I can rub it in that Jason wasn't able to go. He was super bummed that he couldn't go. I got us covered. Uh, we got some really good content and uh, I had a great time. So, hey, Alan Mead experience. Listen, the other thing I got to say, uh, Cosmonet, my gosh, what great hosts they were. They like set a freaking table up for me. I don't know if it was for me, but I got to tell you, if it wasn't, I'd be shocked. It was, it was so perfect for podcasting. It was great. Um, I got a chance to see all of the folks there. They're so, so nice They're You know, they were all so glad to see me and have me there. And it was really nice to be there. Honestly, one of my favorite companies, and I, I wish you guys to go check some of their stuff out. I, I got to say, uh, we have a password to get into our Facebook group, the uh, Alan Me Experience Facebook group, and I've been using the the password Premier. I'm going to continue to use that password, but I have another password. I'm going to I'm going to add Cosmonet as a password to get into the Alan Me Experience. So if you want to join a bunch of really cool people, it's a smaller group, a safer group maybe than some of the other dental dental uh, Facebook groups. Go check out the Alan Me Experience Facebook group on Facebook, and you can use the password Premier or Cosmonet because. They're great people at Cosmo. They've been supporting our show for a long time, and boy, they, their their hospitality is second to none. Uh, and their their products are really excellent. They have some products that no one else has, like microfill in a compule. I love that stuff; it's so good. So I just wanted to thank them too. I want to thank you for listening to the show, 
And, uh, you know, I'm going to keep bringing it to you here. And thanks a lot for listening. And we will catch you next week. 